Hello, and welcome to the Be Love, Spread Love podcast. I'm your host, Maya by name, recording artist, writer, and inspirational speaker. I am so excited to share insights, real stories, and tips to help you embody the authentic, aligned, happy, and loving human you want to be and see in the world. Welcome back to the Be Love, Spread Love podcast. How is your heart today? So I have the absolute honor and pleasure to speak with an incredible woman who is doing inspiring, deeply rooted work in her community and the world. I became aware of her through social media, mutual friends, and have been following her ever since. Born in my hometown, Buffalo, New York, president of Ramp Global Missions, international speaker, humanitarian, author, abolitionist, and founder of Mona's House, Kelly Diane, welcome. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to be speaking with you. I have been waiting for this interview, honestly, since I decided I wanted to do a podcast. You were Uh, on my list. (laughs) uh, Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I followed you, you know, some months back on social media and Uh you are just truly an energizing force for good. So I'm, I'm so inspired by what you do and how you give. It's such important and impactful work, and it's not honestly not talked about enough. You are fighting a crisis that is very much alive, your global mission to wake people up and ultimately end yeah. human human trafficking. Yeah. Um, humans, human trafficking is something we've all heard of, right? But many of us may be unaware of how close to home it really is, of, of the magnitude of it, unless you've been personally impacted by it. Telly, what what is human trafficking and what are the various reasons humans are being trafficked right now? Well, that's a loaded question, um, yeah. by the way. But so like yeah. human trafficking basically is in, in layman's terms, when another human being is bought or sold for it can be several different purposes. Mainly in the United States, we call we, we talk about sex trafficking. So bought or sold for sex or bought and sold for labor. Um, in other in other places around the world, it, it may be for military, it may be for begging, it also may be for organ harvesting, but it's whenever somebody else infringes on a basic human right to be free and act on their own will by someone else for monetary gain. And so um, the reason why I think that human trafficking, it, human trafficking exists is, is actually a plethora of reasons. Number one, I think that it's, um, at the base root is pride. Um, someone else feels as if they're lord over someone else's life and has the authority to dictate what this person should do, will do, cannot do. And and then that falls into greed because human trafficking is the second largest crime on the planet. Um, second only to drug trafficking, grossing an estimated $150 billion a year. And so this has, because of pride and because of greed, and we have turned human bodies from being humans into commodities and into pieces of flesh that are, you know, to be bought and sold. So no, no longer do I have the dignity of being a human and no longer do I have the, deserve the respect that maybe you and your family deserve, but instead, for some reason, you look at me as if I, I'm nothing but property. 
And so um, if you're African-American in this country, we're descendant of people who thought that we're just property and not human beings. Yes, you know, I I had no idea um, just how much money was involved in Mm -hmm. human trafficking. And I think that that statistic for a lot of people is going to be pretty crazy to hear. Uh, now you founded uh, Mona's House in Buffalo, Project Mona's House. Yes. What made you decide to <laughs> uh, base it in Buffalo, firstly, and and really, what's the vision for Mona's House? Okay, so like, I wish I had like this like great and amazing story behind that. <laughs> I know some people are like, "All right, what's the story?" And then when I say it, they're like, "That's it." Um, mm. But. I honestly, in 2008, I was sitting in my apartment in the city that I went to school with, school college in, uh, which is Lynchburg, Virginia. One of my friends, Darrell and I, um, he said, like, Kelly, I heard about this movie. And um, that's back back when everybody was like doing Redbox, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I never did it because the one, well, I I, I never continued. I did it one time and I ended up paying $60 for one DVD. And I said, never again. Um, Because you got to bring them back. You got to bring them back one time and then you forget. But um, so Darrell and I were sitting there, we were watching uh, this movie called Taken. And honestly, Maya, like during the entire film, I was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is so good. Oh, look at those moves. Yeah. How did he know how to do that? Oh man, I want to be like that man. And then (laughs) while I was incredibly entertained because Mm -hmm. I love art, um, cinematic art especially, um, the credits came on. And when the credits came on, it was talking about how this is actually something that even though it may be exaggerated, it really happens in our world. And because of that, I literally was never able to shake those images out my mind. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't in a position at that time that I thought that I could do something because the movie showed me that this was happening and largely overseas, not necessarily in my own country. And right. uh, I was already involved in international work. Um, you know, we have orphanages in India, Nepal, and Guatemala, which is my most mm-hmm. recent one. Um, and I've always just been largely passionate about children. So um, when the opportunity presented itself, um, I ended up going into full-time missions and that's when I um, started working with organizations that I had the, I had the land and I had the buildings, um, but they had, they were doing raids and rescuing little kids from being sold as sex slaves and labor trafficking victims as young as four years old. And, oh and gosh. so um, we started to do that. And then honestly, it was like one day I was in prayer and I was just telling God like, man, I want to help women too, but I don't, all I, all I've ever done for my entire life is help children. And I was like, well, I don't have the experience that I need to help women. So, um, I ended up coming back to the United States. I was in Staples Copy Center talking and this guy was like, <laughs> Kelly, you know, um, have you ever heard of A21 and Christine Kane? I was like, no. Uh, he said, go look them up. And I watched all these YouTube videos and I found out that they had safe houses for human trafficking victims who are women all over the world. I I applied and at that time, um, I was told they only picked about six to eight people out the entire world to come work with them. And so I was, I'm going to be honest, like my faith was really low because I'm like, why would they pick me? And Mm. they did. And so I packed my (laughs) bags and I moved to Thessaloniki, Greece. And that's where I met a woman named Mona. 
and she was trafficked from the Dominican Republic into Turkey. For She thought she was going there to be a housekeeper for one year, making like $15,000. And I know for us, we're like $15,000. But for her in the Dominican Republic, that was going to be enough for her to be able to like stop the cycle of generational poverty for her family and right. open a taxi right. business. And when she got there, they forced her to work in a brothel, basically um, a house where people go to buy women or men or transgender or children for sex. And when she refused, they threw out, they beat her up and put her on the street. Um, just long story short, she ended up in a refugee camp in Greece where I was living. And um, and she ended up in our shelter. And um, I ended up talking to her. Um, at that time, my Spanish wasn't the best, um, but she helped me. She helped me to get it right. I had enough. And so um, <laughs> I was like, you know, why are you always so positive? Because we had to listen to her conversations. And since I was the only one that even remotely spoke any Spanish, um, I had to listen to her conversations when she would talk to her family. And I knew that her husband was like always yelling at her because he thought that she just got tired of being poor and just decided to leave the family. And wow. so here she is, a mother of three and a wife, and she doesn't understand the language there. Um, and she was forced to do this terrible thing. And I, she said, Kelly, like, she's like, well, Kelly, you know, I'm a Christian. I was like, oh, I am too. But I was like, what does that have to do with anything? And she was like, well, it's this one verse that's really important to my life. And I was like, well, what does it say? And she was like, um, it, it, it says that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in Christ Jesus. And she was like, so my tomorrow is going to be better than today. And immediately, oh Maya, like, I felt so ungrateful. Here I am living for free in this house. I just had to pay to get there. Um, I didn't live in a shelter with the women, but they put us up in this beautiful place in the in in Greece where overlooked the mountains. I'm looking at Mount I'm waking up to Mount the sunrise over Mount Olympus every single day. Eating oh some gosh. of the most beautiful some of the most um tasty food and seeing some of the most beautiful sights. And I'm and I'm finding reasons to complain. I'm creating reasons to complain. And here this woman is saying, mm-hmm. like, I'm confident that my tomorrow is gonna be better than my today. And then, and, and at two days from now, it's going to be better than tomorrow. And so basically what she was saying is that like every day I fight is going to be better. And so and I called back to the United States and I said, listen, like I already knew I wanted to open a home for women who've been victimized by human trafficking, but I was going to call it house of virtue. I said, uh-uh, like, let's scratch that. We're going to call it Mona's house because to me, Mona embodies hope. And I don't care if you're a human trafficking victim or 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 not. If you just live this life just a little bit, you're going to come to a point where you just like, man, life is hard. But the truth is that we've already if you're living and you're breathing, you've already survived 100 percent of your very worst days. The days that you didn't yes. think you can make it, you made it through it. And yeah. if we just keep fighting, keep fighting forward that. Our tomorrow is going to be better than today. And if we keep living after that, two days from now is going to be better than t- tomorrow. And and I was just like, you know what? Like, I can give hope to people through Mona's story. So I decided to, when I came back to the United States uh, for a while, I was like, man, I have to open this up in my home city. Because when I was in Greece, I did mm-hmm. some research and found out that it was no home specifically for women who had been trafficked and violated in this way. But the victims were here. Right. And so I'm like, no, like we have to have a rest, a place of restoration specifically for this. We have women who have been, you know, abused by spouses. You know, I'm a victim of domestic abuse, but um, we have places for children who've been runaways and all these different things. But it was no place that women can say that I was violated by hundreds of people I did not know and I did not give my permission to. It's no place for me to to grow and to heal with others that know what it's like. 
And sometimes you just need to be around some people who've been through what you've been through just so you can see that they made it out. And so, so that you can make it out. And so um, that's where Mona's out. That's why I started in my hometown. And then as I was doing more research, I'm like, wait, if human trafficking is coined as modern day slavery, that means it's a reflection of something that happened in the past. And if Buffalo, New York was the last stop on the Underground Railroad, then history is repeating itself because uh, freedom seekers of the past knew that, yo, if I if I could just get to Buffalo, New York, if I could just get to Western New York, I can just get to the bridge to cross over into Canada where slavery is illegal. So freedom seekers right. all over the nation were trying to get to this area so they can cross over into what they call the promised land. We were the last stop on the Underground Railroad. So I want modern day slaves or modern day freedom seekers to know that, listen, I can get to Buffalo and I can rebuild. There's a place there where I'm welcome. There's a place there that's going to help me um achieve my goals, get the healing that I needed. So um, history is repeating itself and we're resurrecting the new Underground Railroad. Girl, I am, I'm just sitting here just <laughs> emotion, just emotional. This this story is, I don't even have words. I'm sure the people listening to this are feeling the same <laughs> way. Um, oh my goodness, what, what a beautiful, beautiful story and, and reasoning behind this. Um, Wow. Thank you. First of all, thank you for your service and for putting this in Buffalo and for helping these women the way that you do. Um, I want I want to ask you, what are what are some of the signs that people should be aware of when it comes to victims of trafficking? Uh, how can we maybe better see people who need our help? So I live by this quote that the eye doesn't see what the brain doesn't know. So we were to take these mm. microphones that we're speaking on and we took them to 25 BC and showed it to the individuals who were living at that time. They would not know what it is. They would not know what it does because they haven't received mm. the education to know that. Um, I'm pretty mm. confident that most of us living in the United States have seen human trafficking victims. Um, but because we didn't know the signs, we didn't know what it looked like. In 2006, I bought my right. first car, a Nissan Altima. Um, and I swear... After I bought that car, I started seeing Nissan Altimas everywhere. So, <laughs> right. now that, yeah, because now you're aware of something, <laughs> now you can see it. So um, it depends what your what your lifestyle is like. For instance, if you're an educator, um, and then just a sidebar, we teach all this for free, depending on what industry you're in. Like if you're in, if you're an educator or you're working with children, um, and you know some children you know, live well below the poverty line, then all of a sudden they're hanging with older people. They have all of these expensive items and they not just knock off from the corner store. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they can't afford it. You got to say, well, well, what what's going on here? Um, it was an issue where um, an educator in Western New York had noticed that a, a stellar student was sleeping all day during class. And long story short, she ended up being trafficked in her parents' house without her parents knowing. Um, She was uh, forced to work on a porn website after her parents went to bed, like a free live cam website. And the thing is, like, if you see this this young woman, Maya, um, she's 18. She's over the age of 18 now, um, but she still looks to me, like 13, 14. So imagine what she looked like at the age of 15, three years ago. Um, And that the thing is she looked that young then and it was people paying to take her in these private chat rooms and make her jump up and down, take your shirt off, open your legs, do all these different things. Um, But the teacher realized that something was, she definitely didn't know she was being trafficked, um, but she knew that something was wrong because the girl was sleeping all day. And so truancy issues, if you work in the educational um, field, um, if you work um, 
in the medical field is it's comprehensive issues um multiple like we have some women who were having like four to six abortions a year and so we had to go to abortion mm-hmm. clinics like that's not normal that's not right. normal behavior right. because but then some traffickers don't want people on birth control because you spot sometimes some women spot right and they don't want blood and then some women gain weight um if they're on birth control so and traffickers just say, hey, like, listen, we're going to bleed for six weeks and that's it. And you're going to go right back out there. Um, if if it's a foreign national or an immigrant, like, do any of them speak English? Do any do they know where they are? Are they timid? Um, a lot of places where you can find trafficking victims that may not be natives to this country are nail shops. We love getting our nail shop, our nails done. Asians and Hispanics are the largest group of minority uh, of immigrants who are trafficked in this country. Construction sites, restaurants, um, New York City, African braiding shops, um, massage parlors, uh, any like especially cash based businesses. You'll find a lot of trafficking there, but um, it definitely depends. Like where what industry you're in okay now what i guess how would you then you know what if you are aware of trafficking occurring in your area or someone mm-hmm. you know what what do you do what do you do about it how do you step forward and, and make it known and, and get these people so out? one thing we tell everybody is i know you want to be the hero trust me like we all want to knock doors down and kick it down and we all mm-hmm. have like that well not we all but some people have like that you know, alter ego, vigilante alter ego within us, like, um, like the, like the father from taken. Um, but please don't do that. Um, because human trafficking is actually an organized crime. And so you may, it's, it's a difference. There are some small traffickers that may traffic just one person or, or, and I'm not saying just one, because one is more than enough, but they may have a trafficking ring that's maybe like one to three women. But then you might mess around with the cartel or the mob, and they may have hundreds of women and connections all over the world. And so what you need to do is, number one, um, call the police immediately. Um, but in addition to calling the police, you need to notify the human trafficking hotline. And so I think that number is like super easy. It's, it's 888-3737-888. Like, I never forgot that. So, and with the way our phones work, you don't have to dial one. So just 888-3737-888. And um, the reason why I say that is because the human trafficking hotline can do something that local authorities cannot do. They basically take tips from all around the United States and they start drawing maps. And when things over, over, when lines begin to overlap, they can help law enforcement build a case. So when we get a woman, we immediately make a case for her with the National Human Trafficking Hotline and we'll say she's here. Now, if something else was to happen, we found out that, well, her trafficker actually trafficked her in another state, then that helps make the charges go from just being a state crime to the FBI now handles it. And so that, that might be some right. some serious prison time that we can actually give someone because, you know, you wanted to imprison someone else. Maybe you it's time for you to be imprisoned. And so, right. um, you know, like we have, I mean, especially like when you see some of these girls, like we have one of our recent young ladies, like, um, she was trafficked within like three states. And when she did wrong, her trafficker set her on fire. So she has burn marks oh all gosh. over her. And like, that was the way that like, he controlled her. And so did he chain her up? No. Did he, did he, you know, 
take her to everywhere that she had to go and sleep with somebody? No. Did she have access to a cell phone? Yes. But she believed that the harm that he did to her, he would find her biological family and do the same to, to them. So for mm -hmm. human trafficking, like in order for it to be um, prosecuted, they have to be able to find, it has to be done through uh, force, fraud, or coercion. And so a lot of people are like, well, why didn't they just leave? Well, sometimes you're really scared. And even though you and I may say like, listen, you do this to me, I make one phone call, 40 people might show up. They don't have that. Right. And so traffickers right. seek people who are vulnerable. And that is why like, I do a lot of preventative work. I um, one, I thought that um, this woman, her name was Dr. Kelly Lucci here in Buffalo, New York. And um, she booked me to speak at a high school out here called um, Sweet Home High School. Honestly, Maya, I really just thought I was going in there teaching these kids about trafficking. These are some things traffickers was going to say. It was the first time in my career that kids didn't go to class after the bell rung, after I was done. Three students came up to me and they showed me their phone, a boy and two girls. They didn't even know that they all had messages from this same person in their self, in their inbox. Oh. One girl, he's like, I want to take you on a date. Another girl, he's like, oh, you want to make $1,000 a night. Even the boy, he said, you want to make $1,000 a night. And they was like, do you know this person? Because th th he's kind of saying some of the same stuff you said traffickers would say to us. And I said, I don't know him personally, but I just shared his post, shared um, something about him on Facebook. And it got like almost 800 shares. He was sentenced to 25 years for trafficking girls on <laughs> Niagara Falls Boulevard. And one of the girls is as young as 14. And he was getting these kids from oh those suburban schools. And so um, I'm just like, what if he didn't go to jail? And what if I never did this presentation and they decided to go on a date or they decided to do this? Right. And so preventative work is like really, really important because traffickers have like these populations that they want to exploit from. Like the number one population in the United States is runaways and foster children because they feel like nobody's looking for them. Nobody cares. If somebody right. cared enough, well, we understand the foster care system is meant. To, the foster care system is, a, is designed so that kids can be reunited with their families if the families get their act together. But children who get lost in the right. foster care system, what that simply means is that for some reasons, unbeknownst known to us, we don't know why, but um, those families haven't done the necessary things to get the child back. So now the child is lost in the system. And maybe even frustrated. So traffickers look for them. Runaways, what do runaways need? They need um, food, clothing, shelter. So if a trafficker gets you, um, gets a child, they'll provide them those things and say, in exchange for these things, you need to do that. So the government had to pass a law saying those are things called survival sex. So if you're saying, oh, these children have to have sex in order to be provided with basic survival needs, then that's trafficking and you will go to jail. Then you have uh, people addicted to right. substances and drugs, and then you have undocumented internationals, and you have refugees. Those are the top people to be trafficked in our country. And so, like, I try to teach these, and I try to find find these people and teach them so that they won't fall victim. So you have a pool of of right. people that are targets. My thing is like, let me let me provide you the tools. Let me provide you the resources and the support and the community to pull you out of this pool. Because if I can make right. you less of a victim, then 
you hopefully won't be victimized or less of less of a vulnerable population, part of a vulnerable population, you hopefully you won't be victimized. Right. Now, th those victims who may be fearful um, to come forward, but are ready to, you know, try to find a way out, how, how can they go about that with, you know, places like Mona's House or other facilities? Do they just walk in? Do they, you know, how do they receive? So we recently got like this um, $100,000 grant from the Community Foundation um, last year. And so what we've done is um, we've open something called the Freedom Center, like the grand opening is going to be in January of 2021. And so, yes, people will be able to walk in there. Um, but for right now, they just call our number, which is like 716-795-MONA, um, and they can be anywhere in the 50 states. And we will, if they're, like, if they're not in the city of Buffalo and they're somewhere else, we have connections in all 50 states and um, all we just need them to do is get to a police station. Once they get there, um, we'll, we'll take it from there and um, we'll get them either somewhere in that, that region or we'll, we'll, we'll send for them to come to Buffalo. So if they're a human trafficking victim and they're not addicted, addicted to substances at that time, um, they can be in Western New York in 24 hours, anywhere in the nation. Wow. Now you are also, uh, I wanted to touch on this. Um, you're also planning something from Lynchburg to Buffalo called the free, yes, the free yes. walk, right? Uh, now, what are you hoping to accomplish with this movement? What does this walk So Maya, represent? to be honest with you, like I had a meeting this week and like it's evolving. So the Freedom Walk was already supposed to happen this year, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we had to postpone it because we have different stops and all those stops were closed because of COVID-19 regulations. But the Freedom Walk is a journey from Lynchburg, Virginia um, to Buffalo, New York, because right outside Lynchburg, Virginia is where the Civil War was fought in Appomattox. And so um, we're taking this 902 mile walk to number one, raise awareness about human trafficking um, and to say that like, it still exists, like modern day slavery still exists. And the way that we're doing it is we're going to walk the Underground Railroad and we're going to take some of the same mm. the same steps that freedom seekers of the past took. And our goal is to light up a new path to freedom. So people who are enslaved right now, that they'll know that help is on the way, that help is here. And so um, we're trying to get community partnerships in all those different cities that we're walking through. Um, and it's called our blue light initiative. So blue light represents is what the government says represents like freedom. So hopefully we can get millions of people mm -hmm. all around the country to put blue lights in their windows to say that, you know, they stand in solidarity against human trafficking. But um, so, yeah, the walk is to raise awareness that human trafficking still exists and to light up a modern day path to freedom, which is the new Underground Railroad. And then we want to honor, pay homage and honor like freedom seekers of the past, like Harriet Tubman, Henry Box Brown, William and Ellen Craft, people who use the genius ideas and God given ideas to seek freedom from them for themselves and to even go back and rescue other people from enslavement. Um, we also are making a film and a documentary about this. So this journey is going to take me about 40 mm. days to complete. Um, you know, we have to walk about mm -hmm. 30 miles a day is six of us. So we broke it up into at least each person wow. walking about five miles. So um, it, it, it's not a lot. Um, five miles is, is not too much. So right now I'm walking like the mm -hmm. five miles every day.
that's my goal every day. Um, I'm going to start off with just 30 days. So like I'm on like day four or five right now and um, just preparing for the freedom walk, even getting my own body in in shape because I'm like, man, these people didn't work out. They didn't go on these diets to run for freedom. Like, right. Um, but I'm going to need to. <laughs> so right. uh, I'm going to get my body ready for the journey. <laughs> but yeah, the freedom, the freedom walk. I just want to shine a light on what's hidden and let people know that human trafficking still exists, but we can fight it if we all collectively do the same thing that they did in the past. You know, you have barbers and beauticians and um, restaurants and all these churches and um, black people and white people that opened up their homes and their businesses to provide safe passageway for people who were enslaved to get free. Now, it may look different. We may not have those people hiding in restaurants and in churches and stuff now, but these people can partner Mm -hmm. with us to help light up uh, light up the path to freedom. So a woman can know, like, listen, like, if I want to be free, I just got to find a place with a blue light, and that blue light, you Mm. know, may be the 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 gap or the connection between me and my freedom. Wow. You know, it's it's crazy because I, I think so many people are under the impression slavery mm-hmm. ended a long time ago. <laughs> and so when you when you have discussions like this and you really hear about the people doing the work and that it still exists very much all around the world, um, I think this is going to be beneficial for a lot of people who maybe want to get involved and didn't know oh. how. So thank you for that. Um, thank you very much. Um, now, you guys, this woman is really something special because not only is she working with human trafficking and fighting human trafficking around the globe. She's also, uh, as she mentioned before, um, I wanna dive into this, an organizer of orphanages in Guatemala and Nepal. And uh, you also have a school in India mm-hmm. where you teach. Yeah, so in India is like the the ideal location. So um, a very wealthy couple, you know, donated a lot of money to make this happen. Um, mm-hmm. But we have five acres. Um, so we have tons of gardens. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have so much to even develop on the land, but we can house, um, right now we can house up to probably like 150 to 200 kids right now, but we don't, we don't have that many. We have about a hundred and, um, we have school churches, a church, um, dormitories for boys and girls. Um, I live there too. So I live on the grounds. I don't live in like some hotel. I live with my kids. Um, and we're, well, we were supposed to break ground this year, but COVID again, um, for a place for like widows and elderly, um, elderly individuals. So, um, because they can help us Mm. with the kids, the kids can help them. And it just, we're just building like a, a little community. So we have animals, we have, um, um, yeah, we have, we don't have a lot of animals, but we have enough animals to help provide like milk, um, eat, eat the trash. Cause that's what mm. they do. Um, mm-hmm. and then like yeah. uh, provide us with eggs and stuff so that we don't have to go to the market. But, um, I, like the goal with our gardens is to, um, be able to go to the market and sell things so we can be self-sufficient. Like, um, everything there is like, so not everything, wow. but most things there are solar powered. Um, um, the water wow. in India is really bad, but, um, somebody donated like this water filtration system for us. So, um, yeah, we are beautiful. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's really a blessing. So I would like to model our other places after that, but see, I've been in India so long. It's just, it's going to take a while 
So, um, cause you gotta, mm-hmm. it's just a lot. It's just a lot, but uh, we're making, we're making strides. So all together, I would say we have about 300 children within those um, spread out between those three countries. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so along with this, you, you were also with yeah. the Young Women's so- Empowerment Academy. Um, Growing yeah, and so like my best teens. friend from high school, like <laughs> the crazy thing is like, you know, high school, you're so not you, but some people, me, I'll speak for myself. So superficial and so petty. Like I had a wonderful best friend, um, Lisa Ricks, and she um, and like in high school, like I just did her so dirty, Maya, for real. Like I really did like my best friend. Mm. And, and so, like, I mean, we graduated oh, no. and we just weren't friends. But then, like, we got older and mm-hmm. um, Facebook came about. And we were in two different cities. I don't know if she messaged me first or I messaged her first. But, like, I just remember, like, saying, you know, like, I'm sorry for all those, like, things I did in high school. She was like, girl, that was so, so long ago. And I forgive you. And, you know, <laughs> like, um, I love God and I love you. And we ended up, you know, rekindling our, our friendship. And so we're still best friends and sisters. And she told me like like this vision like she had for young girls because Lisa, by the time she graduated from high school, had two kids. And so, um, mm. and so she was in Harrisburg working with young girls. I'm like, yo, like, can we bring this to Buffalo? And she was like, yeah. She's like, that was always the goal. And so I run the Buffalo division of the Young Women's Empowerment Academy. And so we have two centers. Here we run out of the Delavan Greider Center, community center, and then we also run out of the okay. Renaissance Center on East Ferry. And then when our Freedom Center opens, we'll also mm-hmm. be running out of here. And so the demographics for all the girls are different. And I mean, like, we have so many beautiful young ladies and we've introduced them to coding. We have some that have opened up businesses as a result of being in the program. Um, some who didn't have stable housing situations and i mean they had to move in with me and we've been together for maybe like two years now so yeah i mean but it it is honestly just a a beautiful thing where we're a family we travel together um because of COVID 19 we've been able to open our program up to people all over Mm -hmm. the country so i'll say we have like 50 girls in the young women's empowerment academy so we raise money to be able to like send all the girls like care packages because we do like virtual paint parties, spa days, everything. I mean, oh, okay. and so like our goal is to be <laughs> able to have an academy all over the place. And so um, I'm also um, opening one in Lynchburg, Virginia um, as well. And my cousin says she's going to take that over and be able to be the director out there. So uh, we're, yeah. So, I mean, but that also helps like against trafficking and, and, and teaching young girls to love themselves and love other people. Because like, if I really would have loved myself, like I was, yeah. like I did in high school, then me and Lisa would have always been friends. And so like we use our story, mm-hmm. like to even teach people, like some people don't know how to be friends because they, they never seen healthy relationships. And so we teaching them like, right. Hey, like this right. is what, this is how you be a friend. <laughs> So, um, right. Yeah, so, right. you know, we educate, we're educating them right now. The, um, I got like this cool idea. Every, every single girl in our Academy is going to be an author by December, 2020, by December, 2020. They'll all have published their own book. Yes. So I'm talking about yes. girls from 17 <laughs> all the way to 18. So they can say, you know what, in the midst of a pandemic, I became an author. <laughs> Come on. I so, love that. Yeah, Come our on. girls are making moves and I'm <laughs> proud of them. I mean, honestly, I got in so much trouble when I was in high school. 
the only thing that kept me out of trouble my senior year was being able to go to this center called the Delavan Grider Community Center in Buffalo. I went there. The director at the time, he said, you know what? I heard about you. You do all this fighting and all this other stuff. He said, but you bring that stuff here, you're going to be banned. You're never going to be able to come back. And I believe him. Mm. So guess what I did? I ain't fight. Right. I ain't do nothing. I mean, it, people could say something to me. I'll just walk away <laughs> because I wanted to be at that center so bad. Like, I was, and so I think if you give yeah. somebody something to hope for, going back to the name Mona's house, if you give somebody something to hope for, they'll keep fighting mm-hmm. for tomorrow. People who give up, they give up because they have no yes. hope. And so that's what we are, like hope dealers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm just like so in love with the movement. And the I'm just sitting here smiling, girl. <laughs> this is so amazing. It's so amazing. I, I got to ask you. After hearing all of this and all of this incredible work, how like how the hell do you do it when your work is so heavy? You're often dealing with just evil. Like how do you how do you rest? Do you take a breather when you're moving with such oh, dedication my, yes. to your purpose? Okay, so, <laughs> I did not have that part down <laughs> in the beginning, um, and it manifested. I mean, if anybody's listening, like please learn from my mistakes, like. It manifested in so many different reasons. You help so many people. Sometimes you forget to help yourself. And so I didn't realize Mm. that I was running on fumes. And it affected everything to me, especially like um, in 2009, the doctor said I was going to die. Right. And um, and I didn't. Obviously, Mm. I'm still here. I know. You know right. Like, Thank God. I mean, they so, put yeah. me in a hospice floor, <laughs> called my family in from all different part, parts of the nation. Uh, but I believe God healed me and um, and I'm still here. But what ended up happening during that time, um, my body was so worn down that I wasn't able to fight what was going on with me. And um, also, I didn't have health insurance mm-hmm. at that time. And so it was so many things that just okay. added up. And then I got to the point where my, my organs, I couldn't breathe. All my hair came out. I was bald. My skin turned white. Um, and and then to to allow me to live, um, they were pumping me with so many steroids. Like I literally went from like a size eight. And, and by the time I got out the hospital, I was like a size 16. And so like that did something to oh me. Like you go in the hospital, yeah. you got this long, pretty hair. And when you come out, you bald, you white mm-hmm. and you fat. You know, like mm. that was a lot for me to to take on, and mm-hmm. then like, and, and so I right. grew my hair back. I my skin color eventually came back, but I never got rid of the weight, and I just kept. As soon as they said I could return back to work and doing stuff, I just started traveling, and I was, I mean, I was just eating out, and then like, it was just, I didn't realize like how much gaining all of this weight was affecting me, and affecting me mentally, and mm. like I didn't realize it honestly until twenty twenty. And then, so that's when I like called on the help of this guy here in Buffalo. And I'm just like, like yeah, I mean, we working it out. It's hard. We you know, I have to like quit it and all this other stuff. But um, mm-hmm. what I realized is that taking care of my physical body was just as much, a, was just as important as helping other people. And, um, and that meant getting rest. That meant like waking up, that meant like waking up yes. late on some days. Like if I didn't have anything to do, that didn't mean like I needed like, for me, right. I don't, I don't, I'm not against like the grind culture, but I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Like, so I hear, I hear that. I yeah. do grind, but I don't yeah. just grind 24 hours a day. Yeah. Like grinding senselessly, um, right? <laughs> I honestly, my, like my favorite thing to do 
is like to sit on the couch and watch TV. Like, and I, I didn't watch TV for like 13 years. And so wow. I didn't have time to. And then wow. I sat down, I would just go to sleep. Right. And so right. like, um, and then like, I mean, yeah. So every single morning, that is my time. Like, so I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Um, I pray. I sh- like the, the, the crazy thing is like, I take a shower before I go to bed and put on pajamas. In the, in the morning, I take another shower and I put on some fresh pajamas and then like I pray and then I lay back down and and I just think and I daydream and I just walk around my house and yeah I'm just and you take care of yourself yes and nobody's calling me yeah. at five and six o'clock in the morning now at seven thirty my phone starts ringing but that right. means I don't I don't have two and a half hours to myself at that time and then I can take on the rest of the day right. and um. Honestly, children are healing mm-hmm. to me. So I spend a lot of time with children. Like mm. something about their laughter gives me hope because it reminds us that like yeah. there's there's still joy in this world. And um and so I, I love yeah. being around kids and I love being around my family and I love watching TV. <laughs> 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 it's that it's that mindlessness after being so busy all of the time where you could just sit and just yeah, watch something and, and not cry if anything. you need to like, <laughs> love stories you already know how the love story right. gonna play out but you still like i hope they fall in love you already know they're gonna fall in love but i just want to see it happen so yeah <laughs> I love that. I mean, I, I go, but that's not like, I just like sit on the couch, honestly, sit on the couch and watching TV. And that's just it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and filling yourself back up so you could continue to go pour into others quiet that you moments. do. That's quiet amazing. Moments. Amazing. Yes. Quiet moments. So I want to know what's next for you and your team. How can people get involved and follow well, all so- of the amazing work that you're doing? As far as like Project Bonus House, like I said, we're opening up a Freedom Center. Um, we don't have the money to hire all of the people that we need, but I know that we can have volunteers. Like we especially need like guys, like that first week in January, like just manpower, moving stuff, like helping get stuff, you know, situated, mm-hmm. painted. Um, uh, we need people that say like, I can't do anything, but you know, maybe I can answer the phone two hours a week or um, somebody that is like, uh, some women um, who want to be mentors, not just to the women who are victims of human trafficking, but also to our young ladies. And so we try to pair them with people mm. who, um, I don't know, maybe like for instance, one girl wants to do hair. So it's some hairstylist in here that she goes and hangs out with every, every Saturday um, and helps out in the salon because the thing is like, mm. maybe she, maybe she mm-hmm. will want to do it, but maybe she won't. Um, um, we are pushing our billboard collection. Like, so we're launching, um, a line of just like, um, billboard it's called the billboard collection. And that's just like with all of our clothing. And I think that our, all of our clothing has a message on it and it's conversation starters. Like I have a shirt that says real men don't buy women. And, um, I get, you know, I go some places right. and I get cussed out, but guess what? It opens the door for a conversation. Cause maybe that person didn't know what human trafficking was. Yeah, right. I got the not oh, for sale one and, and I love it. And, I love and it. we buy things and not people. 
because I want people to stop realize, stop thinking that right. human beings are objects. And so, uh, but yeah, so with the Freedom Center, um, if they if they go to our website, um, thefreedomwalk.com, um, and they realize that, hey, you know what, I'm in one of these cities and they want to, you know, help us in mm-hmm. one of those places um, that, we're, that we're stopping at, all those things are on the site um, to let us know and help join our host crew. And I think, I, th- I mean, I really think that's pretty much it. I mean, always, we always welcome money. So, I mean, if you want, no, if you want to join, right? Yeah, please donate, you please know, donate. as little as $30 a month, a dollar a day. Like that really, people don't realize like, but like that really helps. Like if we could get 500 people that would give us just a dollar a day, just $30 a month. It doesn't matter if we get the grants or not, we'll be able to keep our doors open. Like with the amount of volunteers we have and then the people that we do have to pay, like it'll make sure that the mortgage is taken care of, right. all the rent for our offices are taken care of, um, our utility, like we'll be able just to stay open and everything else that comes, we'll be able to expand our services, but just like, just to be able to stay open. Like just 500 people that would right. just be willing to give us a dollar a day. That's it. So like, Absolutely. So you, you, you guys, that's uh-huh, the, the freedomwalk.com. Yeah. Definitely go there and check it out. Absolutely. And where can they find you? <laughs> um, they can find you? me online. You can <laughs> find me um, on Instagram. That, that's where I'm more active at. And that's Miss Kelly Diane. That's M-S Kelly, K-E-L-O-Y, Diane, D-I-A-N-E. And um, yeah, you find me on there. And then I, I pretty much post things that... Um, I'm involved in, I'll be having, I'll be relaunching my personal website and blog and journey through there because um, I am working on a book that's coming out. Um, It's called Come Forth, The 40 Day Fight to Be You. And then I'm also working on a memoir, but that won't be out Mm. for maybe another three years. And that's going to be called Descendant. So. (laughs) Beautiful. Amazing. Amazing. You guys can also visit um, projectmonashouse.com as well if you want to um, check that out what they're doing in buffalo kelly thank you so much for joining me today i i so appreciate this conversation i'm I'm about to sit here for like another two hours and just like <laughs> just sit here and think about this seriously so such incredible oh, well, i know i'm so inspired, inspired by, by you me. i love your um good mornings i'm like i can't I my girlfriends was talking about it yesterday i'm like <laughs> she's so consistent i hope she I, i'm about to start singing <laughs> Like mine. <laughs> I'm sending you so, so much love on your journey. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have an amazing day. And as always, be love and spread love. Mwah.